We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. But before we get into things, you guys, I got to tell you, eating breakfast helps you start your day off right. However, eating the wrong thing, like sugary cereals, can cause you to feel lethargic and even more tired. That's why Setting the Pace has launched a healthy, hearty cereal with zero grams of sugar to get your day started off right. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the number one cereal in America, Faccios. Okay, you can, you can get these at Setting the Pace. Uh, podcast.substack.com it's just $5.99 for your first box if you type in the promo code Fachi Curse, you'll get a free box with your first purchase so Fachios, it's the greatest way to start your morning Fachi, what's going on brother man I gotta say I had no idea where you were going with that one I was thinking did we get a new sponsor but then I was like you know what I might have to try this cereal for myself and <laughs> you know what I don't blame you with the cereal like the name Fachios. It sounds like you got to pour some milk on them and see what you got. I mean, absolutely. So I thought, what better way than to kick off the show with some rebranding here? Because my man Fachi got his own podcast studio now at his new house, moved over the weekend. I mean, this is just big time for you. Now you got your own cereal. I mean, moving on up, you know, but I did. I moved back to New York the last couple of years. I've been all over. I lived in New Jersey. I lived in Washington, D.C. I lived in Virginia. So I've been all over the place, uh, but settled down in New York. And uh, we're excited. Obviously, much bigger space for when we have our baby coming in in a couple of months. But also to have my own podcast space, that's great. Because, guys, uh, for every episode that goes on, I got a wife being as quiet as can be in the background or another room. And now finally got a little bit more space and we could be even louder, especially for those late night episodes. Absolutely. And then we don't have to worry about a crying baby either now, hopefully. Very There's true. enough soundproof 
walls in there to, to prevent that from happening. But with that being said, if we hear a crying Fachi, that's okay. Uh, we're used to hearing a crying Fachi on this podcast multiple hey, times a time week. To time. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, man. So it's obviously been an interesting weekend. There's been a lot going on. The Pacers got their first ever win in Milwaukee, and then they, you know, get crushed by Philadelphia at home on Saturday. Your West Virginia Mountaineers lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to the mm-hmm. Fighting Jalen Smiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue goes out and you know Purdue fashion losing to a 16 seed, second time only in NCAA tournament history, and then IU. They lose Sunday night to Miami. I mean, just a lot of losing over here for college sports in Indiana and for Fachi. And then the Pacers, though, I was in the building, Fachi, for the Bucks game and could not believe what I witnessed. Alex, you witnessed something very, very rare. I mean, you talked about it. The Pacers had not beaten the Bucks Milwaukee since 2018. Um, first time had- in that arena. First time in that arena, which is true. Um, but then also they had beat the Bucks. period. Since February of 2020, I'm going to be honest. I think this is the most improbable victory of the season because you got to factor in no Tyrese Halliburton, no Benedict Matherin, no Chris Duarte. I did not expect the Pacers to win this game, but also the way they won it. Bucks, they scored 49 points in the third. They outscored the Bucks by 25 in the second half. What was it like being there? Well, I tell you this, there is a lot of upset Bucks fans. I mean, they were not expecting the Pacers without Tyrese and Matherin to get this W, and I didn't either. I mean, the way the game started out, I think it was like 20-6 to six early on, something crazy like that, and I thought, oh, we're going to be in for a long night with the way this is going out, and the fans were, were hype. It, it was really cool to be in the arena as an opposing fan. I don't usually get to do that, so it was 90s theme night. I will say this, the Pfizer form, is an incredible arena. I really enjoyed where I sat. I kind of sat on the corner behind the Pacers bench in the mid-level section, Fachi, you know, because tickets are kind of expensive, especially when you're a team that's 150 games. So, mm-hmm. you know, people are dying to get in there. But I, I, I will say this, it was just an incredible atmosphere. Love the way that our bench came in in the second uh, second quarter and kind of carried this Pacers team back to, to get a victory here because it all started with McConnell, George Hill, and Jalen Smith. Guys fall in suit with that, but um, after the game was over, you know, I, I think that sports gambling has kind of impacted basketball and just sports in general too much, in my opinion. There's people at the at the uh, at the game talking about, oh, I need 23 for the Pacers to get 15 points, and Giannis to get a double double. I'm like, his name's Aaron Neesmith, okay? I mean, if you if you don't know who 23 is on the Pacers, at least look it up. I mean, you can't make a bet on somebody not know who it is. Then you had somebody else who bet for Buddy Hill to score so many points, and they were cheering for Buddy and the Bucks. I'm like, okay, well, what is going on here? But it was just awesome to see. And I think to wrap it all up, basically, my favorite line was, man, we just can't win without Brooke Lopez. And I thought, while he's a, a really nice player and probably somewhat true for a championship-level team, you should be able to beat the Pacers without Halliburton, without Brooke Lopez. I completely agree. Look, Brooke, definitely a defensive player of the year candidate and playing really well this year. But come on, you still have a two-time MVP on, on that team and a defensive player of the year in Giannis. And a couple other guys that ain't too shabby in Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and so on. But this was a game that you talked about McConnell. McConnell was plus 36 uh. in this game. 19 points, 12 assists, 9 of 12 from the field. Alex, he continues to show that it's not a fluke from three-point land. He's He picks and chooses his spots, but when he does, he's been accurate. That's been awesome to see. And then 
George Hill, another guy coming off the bench. Old man Hill in a revenge game. <laughs> 15, 15 points. Hey, he's a plus 26. Made yeah. it rain from three. I loved what I saw out of George Hill because we talked about it. You know, look, he, he feels like a dinosaur compared to the rest of this roster. But there is still some good play in those legs. You know, maybe you don't want to see him on a night-to-night basis. But I think when called upon, George Hill has delivered. And that's kind of been a great surprise for a guy that, A, you didn't know if he was going to stick around. B, you didn't know if he would play at all. And in this game, I mean, George Hill had it going on. Yeah, you called him old man George Hill. I think you missed a great opportunity there to say George over the hill. I mean, come on. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, yeah, George Hill, I mean, I could not believe the way that he played in this game. It was awesome to see him back in Milwaukee, you know, going up against his former team. He knows a lot of their tendencies and a lot of their play calls. So I'm sure that him being out there helped. The same with Jordan Wara. They both got nice. Welcome's back. A lot of people were excited for them. Now, I was laughing. There was one fan that didn't realize that George Hill was still on the Pacers. So, uh, I guess I kind of missed that part of the trade. They thought it was just Jordan War that got traded, so that was interesting. But Jalen Smith on his birthday, Flatchy, not only did he get a win in this game, he played phenomenal. I mean, a plus 20, was it plus 24 for, yep. for Jalen Smith? Mm-hmm. And his Terrapins got a big victory over the Mountaineers. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he was having a great day. I, I honestly felt bad for you watching him play because I'm hurt. thinking – this is uh, – Jalen Smith is just rubbing this in Bocce's face right here because he's reminding him that Maryland won today. But, no, I thought those three were kind of the three that catapulted this Pacers team in that victory. I thought Jordan Ward played well. I thought uh, Neesmith played well, as, uh, especially throughout the game, just being able to knock down threes. But Andrew Nimhard really stepped up in the second half and attacked differently. So there was a lot of things here. This was not a great Miles Turner game, I'll be honest with you. But Miles Turner definitely had the highlight of the night with the amazing poster on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, the fact that Miles got up like that and had that nasty dunk, I've I've got to witness the two best Miles dunks of this season, the one against McDaniels on the Timberwolves and this one against Giannis. I mean, Miles, for whatever reason, he's been having some sick dunks this year. He has. And one of the things is, like, it's one thing when you get dunked on, which he did by Giannis just about two minutes earlier. The real <laughs> question is, how do you respond? And he threw it down on Giannis to get the last laugh and the win. So awesome way because you know there's so many guys that don't want to get dunked on. They'll run from it. Miles stands there. He tries to block anything he can. And I, I, I give him credit for staying there, getting dunked on, but also more importantly, getting his revenge. So that was awesome to see. But just going back to Neesmith real quick, a career high. 25 points edged out mm. his career high 24 you know just by one point but yeah he had it going on and that's been awesome to see he's been great this this month 13 points per game on 47 percent shooting 40 percent from three five rebounds love that type of performance and then touching on jalen smith that you mentioned jalen's been quietly rock steady lately so on the month he's made six appearances the pacers are three and three in those games Typically plays about 20 minutes. Jalen Smith now averaging on the month 11 points per game, six rebounds, and 50% shooting. I I like what I've seen, a block per game. You know, he's never playing too many minutes. And it's just nice to see that, you know, when given that opportunity, he is producing because a lot of times we'd see him come in for six minutes, eight minutes. I mean, what could you really do in those spans? So I'm I'm a firm believer, Jalen Smith, the remainder of the season – He's got to be getting around those 20 minutes. Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, it, it's 
really hard to put into words how much he's how much better he's played as the backup center since he's been put back into the rotation. I think sitting out it was good for him to a certain degree, Pachi, because I think it made him, you know, have to earn it more. And mm-hmm. being kind of hand of the keys at the beginning of the season, being told he was going to be a starter, I don't think it changes work ethic. I think he just kind of got in his head a little bit when things weren't clicking clicking super well for him. And now that he kind of had to play behind Tice and play behind Isaiah Jackson for a little bit, he's showcasing why he can be a, a, a solid big man in this league. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter or anything like that because I think he's best suited as a bench player, but he's just got a good basketball IQ. He, he's smart for the most part. He's a good rebounder, can block shots. He's not going to be the high flyer that Isaiah Jackson is when it comes to blocking shots, but he's just that steady hand. He can kind of be that calm in a storm when you need another big guy out there just to kind of fill in some minutes for, for miles. You know, I think Daniel Tice, if you're looking at overall play probably is better than Jalen Smith right now, just because of the experience and and that kind of thing. But I think projecting forward and looking forward, I think that there is a lot to be excited here with Jalen because he's been, he's been really stepping up to the plate watch. And I, I love the way that he's competed. And I love the way that Rick Carlisle's continue to reward him for his solid play. No, it's true. And he deserves to be rewarded because that man has had, you know, I don't even want to say highs and lows. There's been a, a lot of lows, but he's fought through it. We haven't heard Jalen Smith publicly complain about anything. He he took all those did not play coaches' decisions, just just took them. You didn't hear him running to his agent. He wasn't asking for a trade, nothing of the sort. And he's he's making it work. And I and I'm excited that if he does get the same opportunity for the rest of the year, I think he can go into next year with just a firm understanding of, hey, here is how I can carve out my role with this team, even if it's not as the starting four. So that's been something that I keep, I'm keep i keeping my eyes on. We, we, we touched him a little bit, but Andrew Nemard, really good game. I yeah. mean, really good game here. Uh, the 24 points, that was the second most he scored on the season. 10 of 21 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. But we're seeing him step up in the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. And this is once again... Nemhard that we're seeing when Hal Burton's not out there, he's obviously far more featured and he's had, he's strung together some really good games. I mean, let's see, going back to the, so let's just skip the Rockets game because Hal Burton was active in that game. Scored 19 points against Detroit the first game, then 15. In both those games, he had at least seven assists. So that was awesome to see. Uh, against Milwaukee, 24 points. And then we didn't get to you know cover what he did against Philly, but we're seeing consistency over here. He's been active from the field, and we're seeing that the Pacers are obviously not the same team when Halliburton isn't out there. We get that, but Nemhard is very much able to step into that point guard role and not have a bunch of turnovers. Last two games combined for just one turnover. So you could see he could protect the rock, but he could also score it himself. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Andrew Nimhard, shout out to his brother, who is playing terrific basketball with Creighton right now. They're in the Sweet 16 with a good chance to go to the Elite Eight. They got Princeton, a 15 seed. Just want to throw that out there. I have Creighton in my Elite Eight. I, I'm just, my bracket's busted, but I got that one right. So I feel good about that hey, one. Hey, there we go. Uh, you know, <laughs> other than that, you know, uh, sitting over here taking all these Big 12 teams, really screwing me. Thanks a lot, Fodge. Iowa State. Come on, man. I should have yeah. said. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Losing what? a hit. Ugh, that was gross. What a ugly, what an ugly offensive performance from them. But anyway, getting off topic, Andrew Nimhard, though, he's really stepping up, Foch, and you're and you're making a great point. I think that we're slowly starting to see him 
find his rhythm without Halliburton. There's been times where I've liked seeing him as, you know, the the primary point guard. I've also liked him playing with another uh, facilitator, whether it's a George Hill, whether it's Tyrese, whether it's, whether it's uh, McConnell. I think he's done a really nice job with that, but it just makes you feel like, okay, having a guy like this, that's a pretty solid defender, like what he was doing in that Bucks game, he was playing lights out. And I mean, it was, it was kind of cool to see him go back and forth with Drew Holiday, some of that we've heard him get compared to now. Like I said, it's tough to compare a rookie to someone that's that great of a defender already. But I think you can kind of see the signs where he's like, okay, this guy makes a lot of sense. Now, what they do moving forward with his position, I, I really don't know. But I, I think one thing I'm really excited about seeing potentially is him moving to the second unit and being that main point guard with the second unit. And if that means that McConnell has to go to third string, I really don't mind it. Even though McConnell's been playing great, I just think that with the way this team is heading, how much youth you have, you still want veterans around the team. But I think at this point, Nimhard just gives you so much more versatility defensively that you've got to lean more into that over McConnell just because of the size and, and being able to be more switchable on defense. I completely agree. I do think that Nimhard could be far more featured in that second unit. And we've seen at times, as, as good as he's been as a rookie, and especially as a second-round pick, at times he was, you know, you don't want to say the weak part of the starting five, but maybe not the the more featured part of that starting five, where he could be far more featured in that second unit. And for McConnell, McConnell's going into basically that last year of real guaranteed money, where I, I think that we'll see what happens. He's been the perfect veteran. For this team, he's still playing really well. You know, maybe the Pacers potentially look to move him in the offseason. I don't know. I'm not pushing for it because he's obviously been, you know, one of the longest tenured Pacers at this time. But if the Pacers and McConnell do elect to part ways, I, I think it would be in a way that could unleash Nemhard a bit further because I can't wait to see the change that he makes between year one to year two, which is typically the biggest growth for a player. Nemhard, he's taken leaps forward. So next year, got me excited for what's next. Yeah, and I think there could be a lot of suitors out there for Nemhard. If you do want to make I, a splashy okay. trade, I mean, obviously that's something to keep in the back of your mind if the Pacers want to go all in and kind of upgrade at a different position because, I mean, Nemhard talked about wanting to be a starter on this podcast after yep. he's been starting for a while. And I think a team that actually could make a lot of sense for him as a starting point guard is Toronto, Flachie. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's going to be a free agent. If he leaves in free agency, there's been talks about maybe going to Phoenix with him, maybe the Clippers. I I'm not sure exactly how that all would work out, but I'm just saying, like, if they lose him, putting Nimhard there as their starting point guard might be a better option than some of the options that they have out there because they can kind of groom him into what they want him to be. And he's under a good contract. And obviously, we know there's been a lot of connections there with OG and Anobi and the Pacers. So, that wouldn't surprise me if a trade like that happened, but I think the Pacers really value Nimhart. I don't think they want to just give up on him so quickly. So that to me is something that I don't anticipate happening because I think, like we talked about, he's part of the core four that you don't want to get rid of. So that that's where I'm kind of torn on it, but I could see it just to, to be a big trade piece if they want to make a splashy move and feel like they have a chance to get into the playoffs next year or, or be a top six team in the Eastern Conference. But that's really far down the line. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of close, but it feels like it's far away. I just feel like for the rest of the season, we have, what, 11 games left, Flash? So, mm -hmm. yep. 
I mean, we're recording this before the Hornets game, so maybe there's 10 games left after you hear this. I, I've really been impressed by, by Nimhart, especially being a second-round pick. He makes a lot of sense for this team moving forward. I don't want him to go anywhere, but I, I don't want to have this constant like, oh, he's got to play with McConnell, and now we're undersized again, and we're, we're playing too small of a lineup instead of going a little bit wing heavy. And I just – we got to get away from all the guards, in my opinion. I, I hate the guard, all the heavy, heavy guard lineup that we're doing. It's not sustainable. And look, the Pacers, sure, their their record could be better, but it's not like our record is, has been great with this lineup. It hasn't. It was something that we, we tried this year, but you still want to get Matherin into the starting lineup. So it just feels like with Nemhart, he's got to be more featured in that second unit. I don't expect the Pacers to trade him in any way unless, to your point, it's a big deal where he is someone – that is featured piece with additional first round picks. So I imagine that Neymar will be here. It's TJ McConnell that I, that I think could be more likely to be moved, but that remains to be seen for right now. I just look to, you know, watch out for the continued growth down the stretch of these remaining 11 games to see young players like Neymar take advantage of the opportunity while there is no Halliburton, there is no Matherin, there is no Chris Duarte. This is really his time to shine and he's been taking advantage of it. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that, Bocce. I just said no like 15 times for whatever reason. I, I got caught up on my nose there. But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. But I, I wanted to jump into the Tyrese Halliburton injury here, Focci, because he was supposed to play in Milwaukee. He's not played in Milwaukee at all this season. We know he's from the Wisconsin area and Milwaukee area. So he was really bummed. Carlisle talks about how he you know, had an ankle injury that happened. I heard it was on the very last play of practice before they headed yep. out. So he was super bummed about that. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it, it felt like a fluky injury, but it really wasn't. So anybody thinking like, oh, he faked that injury, they're trying to sit him out. Like, no, that's not really the case. They're being cautious with it for sure, but he did injure it. So it's not like a tanking tactic if that's what people are thinking. You know, I know we've kind of speculated some stuff like that, but he really has been dealing with that injury. And so He's at least out for this game against the Hornets. Maybe he'll come back on the road trip. Not sure yet, but Benedict Matherin, questionable. Chris Duarte, it looks like he's questionable. So kind of getting a chance maybe to see the roster healthy again. It feels like this group that's been playing without Halliburton, Matherin, and Duarte has found something that's clicked a little bit, Foch. So obviously <laughs> I'm not excited to keep seeing this older group that's been playing. I want to see the younger guys get back out there, but it just like, it just stinks that Halliburton goes down with the injury, same as Matherin and Duarte, because we're trying to see what this core can be. And we just, unfortunately, with the injuries, it's kind of slowed that up. It really has. I don't know the extent of when we'll see Chris Duarte again, but, you know, with 11 games left in the season, uncertainty around his future with the Pacers, you really wanted him to have an opportunity to shine down the stretch, especially when Matherin was out. So this really feels like a, a rough, you know, rough position for Duarte. For Halliburton, you know he wants to be out there, so it's not like this is some like, hey, you know, let's uh, stealth tank or anything of the sort. I know that, I think, I'm saying I know, but I feel that we'll see Halliburton again. But as it goes on, you don't know if you're really going to see Matherin or Chris Duarte again. And that's kind of one of the big shames. So, there's a couple games that I feel the Pacers could have won with Halliburton. That 76ers game, 
Not so sure that was one of them. No, not at all, Fachi. So other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about with this Pacers team. You know, they've only played a few games since we've done our last podcast. They're on this four-game road trip. They've got 11 games left, and I think there's maybe five at home, six on the road, something like that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's three at home, and they finish out the month of April with two on the road, two at home. So still six road games left. There, There's a chance they can make the play and still fotch, and everybody likes that experience. So it's uh, it's it's tough. <laughs> but I, I just don't know where they in, end up because ever since we beat the Bulls back when Halliburton hit the game winner against Pat Beverly, remember that? Oh, yeah. The Bulls have won four of their last five. They've so been hot. They've the been Bulls hot. have been playing better. Uh, the lovely Washington Wizards have been very hit or miss with their play. I think they got beat twice by Atlanta. They just lost to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So they're at the same record as the Pacers. The Pacers have the tiebreaker over them. So, that's for the 11 seed, though. So right now, the Pacers, I mean, they're still, you know, scratching and clawing to get into the 10 spot. But I would say it doesn't look promising. No, it does not. Um, it doesn't look promising. And I'm I'm fine with that. I've come to that realization uh, a, a while ago that it's like, you know what? It's just in our best interest to try and get as close to picking you know, sixth overall as, as you can or be in that spot to be, you know, the sixth worst record. Because making that play-in uh, and then potentially picking, say, you know, any, anywhere between 12 to 14, that area, it, depending on what happens, it, is not in the Pacers' best interest. There is no chance, now I shouldn't say no, but a very, very slim chance of catching Orlando. The point where the worst thing the Pacers could be would be to just miss the play and end up picking, you know, inside that, you know, 12 13 something around their range so I, I just think for for now the Pacers have to stay the course if they lose these games it's not going to affect me but I'm telling you come draft time you will much rather appreciate picking sixth overall than slipping down the standings and just about a week ago when we recorded this we saw there was about a game or two that separated the Pacers from being like sixth or 13th in the draft yeah so it's still very, very tight. Just going through it right now. Let's see. The Pacers would be currently projected to pick eighth overall. You can live with that. That that's still a really good pick. But mm-hmm. it's getting to that point where you know you're tied with Washington. You're you're a game behind Portland. So there is that's still not a, going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, it's going to be extremely tough. There's still an opportunity to be in that. Projected to pick sixth overall, but I can live with six to eight. My problem is if the Pacers are to start winning a couple games and then end up falling to, you know, 10, 11, anything like that. Yeah, so good news if you want the Pacers to lose games or you want the Wizards to to maybe pass the Pacers. They do play the Magic twice. They do play the Nets twice as as well. No, wait a second. Excuse me. They play. Yeah, they play the Magic twice. That's what I meant to say for the Wizards. Now the Magic play the Nets twice too. So, then I mean, that's four games. That could be winnable if you're hoping the, the Orlando p- comes up and, and passes the Pacers. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think if, so either. If you're wanting Washington to stay there, they've got the Spurs and they got the Magic twice, like I said. So those are two, three winnable games there. They've got the Rockets at the end of the season, so that's another winnable game. And then other than that, I would say that it's probably hard to really predict them to win any other games than that. But that's four winnable games on their schedule where the Pacers probably only have 
maybe two left if they win this Hornets game and then the the Pistons game. So mm-hmm. I think it does feel like there's a chance, a good chance that Washington finishes ahead. But I think with what we heard from Damian Lillard Sunday night, basically talking about, you know, lo- loves playing, but understands that there could be a point in, in a season where it doesn't make sense to, to go out there and give it all you got. So it kind of sounds like he's got that mentality of like, okay, I'm probably going to sit some games here. So yeah, would not be surprised if Portland just kind of shuts it down for the rest of the year. And they have Mike Schmitz, former draft analyst for ESPN and Draft Express, in the front office. Trust me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's probably more team rebuild and tank than he is let's push for the play-in. So, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at with everything. So I, I think the Pacers probably finished with the seventh best odds, Fudge. Yeah, I could see it. I could live with it, too. I really yeah, can. That, that, to me, is the best scenario. Like, I understand six, but, like, seven – for whatever reason, the Kings were seven last year. I think no, they were they were six and they moved up. Six. Right? Yep. Yeah. So they jumped to us at five. We fell back one. So I mean, but seven has always been like this weird spot that's moved up a little bit. So just keep your eye on that. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I think there's a lot of talented players in this draft, and if you can get a top eight pick, you're probably going to be happy with whoever you walk away with. But definitely are going to be happier if you can get somebody in the top two to three. <laughs> You know, the Pacers might not retire number seven for Jermaine O'Neal, but what if at pick seven we land our next superstar? I don't know, Alex. I'm just going to remain hopeful and hope for the best. Picking seventh, I remember when, you know, snagging Miles Turner at 11 or Paul George at 10 was like, oh, my God, the Pacers picking 10th or 11th. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden, last year, we got a little spoiled picking sixth. Pacers are even picking inside the top 10, which at this point they better be. I mean, whether it's six, seven, eight, something like that, I I need it. Those are great. That's a great spot to be in where you could find a really good player. So I think that that would be the best thing for us. But also when we're talking about draft picks, Alex, I never thought I'd really be checking Spurs games this late into the year. But with the Spurs win last night, it kept Houston in position to give us their second round pick. It's getting very, very close there. Houston has 18 wins. The Spurs now have 19. Mm. If that pick falls outside of of 32, it goes to the Boston Celtics. Mm. So we really need that pick to be between 31 or 32, and it's probably not going to be pick 31, given that the Pistons uh, have two less wins than the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think Detroit, man, that team is just a joke. They stink, except for they when they beat us by like 20-something the other week. <laughs> I mean, that kind of worked out good for us, though. So. It did, it did. I mean, yeah, looking at the Spurs schedule, there's not a lot of winnable games left for them. You know, but they did have like the Rockets beat the Celtics not too long ago. So you just can never like – Anything can happen. Predict anything. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, we already talked about it. Like, that's going to be our fourth pick out of our top 32 – that's a lot. <laughs> I, still, so, I still want it, though. <laughs> we still want it, but, I mean, if we don't get it, it's not like I'm losing sleep over at five. So, I'll just say this. We did our part because the Spurs beat the Pacers twice this year, okay? Yes. How did that happen? I don't know. But I feel like we've, you know, had our fair share of wins against other teams in the NBA. I think, like, going back, I don't think we beat the Suns this year. I think they beat us twice. I think that the Sixers have beaten us every time we've played them. I was trying to go to the Nuggets. I went through like a list and I was like the Timberwolves, but I was like, you know, all these teams make sense that, that beat us both times this year or the two times we played them, whatever. 
But how in the world did we lose to the Spurs twice? Like, what what happened there? That was just crazy. It, it really was. I know one of those games is when Halliburton didn't play, and I, I still thought we were going to win. So mm. that was that was a major upset. The other one super early in, in the in the season, like I think the third game of the year, that was tough. But I'm looking at the Spurs schedule, and the Spurs do play Portland towards the end of the year. Final, it's it's the third to last game. One of those teams has to win. If it's Portland, it could help us out for our our you know initial selection in the draft. If it's the Spurs and they beat Portland, it could solidify us getting the Rockets pick. So that actually, while it's the most meaningless game to a lot of other fans, it's a big game for the Pacers. Yeah, we just got to hope the Rockets lose out, right? <laughs> that makes the most hey, sense yeah. for us getting their pick. Just yep. keep on losing, Houston, please. Houston, we have a problem. Your problem is you can't win games and you got a coach that doesn't really make sense for your team. Um, but please, don't start changing your culture in the middle of the – season or the end of the season <laughs> just just ride, just ride it out please i mean we're ready for a, for the losses to pile up but but that's that's all fun and games we'll see what happens flash i mean it is what it is at this point i'm kind of that same way with the rest of the standing it's just like yeah i can keep checking in every night i can kind of monitor things but it's just like it's kind of overkill at this point like whatever happens is going to happen i mean and you can't control it it's just fascinating to, to kind of keep an eye on it but um, with that being said obviously we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Last thing I want to talk about here before we sign off. Big tournament weekend. We talked about some of that at the very beginning. But curious, was there a player maybe that really stood out to you that like, man, okay, I'm pretty impressed with this player or... Maybe someone that kind of disappointed, you know, someone you had high expectations for and they kind of just failed to meet them. 
Well, Alex, I have both. And you know I'm not one to really follow rules, so I got more than one. Oh, All right. Got so, like five on yep. each. <laughs> no, no, I got a couple, though. But I'm only going to – I'll go with the first two. So, one, it's actually funny that you mentioned his name earlier, but I watched that that Baylor uh, Creighton game, and Ryan Nemhard was awesome last mm-hmm. night. 30 points, 8 of 13 shooting, slayed the Baylor Bears, and he hit big shot after big shot. I mean, 4 of 6 from 3. He's only six feet tall, and he's just a sophomore, so I don't even expect him to go into the draft. But that was uh, it was ironic that you mentioned it. But the one player that I really was watching for, and I wanted to get a healthy dose, was Drace Walker. And honestly, his numbers might not have blown you away offensively. That man was a force defensively uh, against Auburn. Just seven points, but ten rebounds. Six blocks. It looked like that man was blocking everything that went up there. And then in round one, he had 16 points six boards, and two blocks. So I liked what I saw at a Drace. Um, so those were the top two. And if I had a, a consolation, Devontae Davis, junior guard from Arkansas, I was watching that that mm. full game against Kansas. He had 23 of his 25 points in the second half, eight rebounds. He was a big part of why Arkansas was able to make that comeback. And uh, I, I think out of the, the three of them, Drace Walker is really the guy that has major draft potential expected to be in that top five, definitely, you know, the, the, the top eight. So that was the guy that I was really had my eyes on because, you know, we've talk, talked about him. The other two were just performances that I had to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point, Fach. I mean, I thought Jairus Walker looked awesome in that game, especially the second half. I think Houston was down by 10 to, to Auburn. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to see the third number one seed get eliminated tonight. I was like, what is going on with this bracket? It's crazy. And then Houston comes out and outscores – Auburn 50 to 23. And one thing that we've been hearing a lot about is just like, who is Jairus Walker as a defender? Well, in this game specifically, he was switching one through five on everything Fachi. And there was times, yes, when he maybe got broke down by a guard, but the six blocks, the, the solid defense, the rebound of the basketball, that was really impressive to me. So I'll give you credit there. And, you know, Arkansas, that was a very impressive game uh, going up against Kansas. You know, everybody – Loved what Kansas was doing. They loved their their makeup. Now, I do think with the Bill Self situation, I do think that played a part of it in terms of how the, the, the Jayhawks ended up going out a little bit earlier than maybe anticipated. But you got to give Arkansas credit. And I know you brought up Davis from Arkansas, but somebody I brought up a couple of, uh, a couple of episodes ago with uh, uh, Nathan Grubel was Anthony Black. And mm-hmm. I know that the stat... The box score for this game, just four points on one of six shooting does not stick out. He shut down Grady Dick on the defense. Shut him play. down. And shut him down. You know I'm a big Grady Dick fan. He had seven I, points. I, I, I spared you. I spared, I didn't want to be a hater, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you let you go for it. Well, I'll, I'll just say this. Grady Dick, he's a good player, and I think that Kansas did a bad job of getting him involved late in the game. I don't think he shot the ball for like 15, 20 minutes almost, it felt like. So – Anthony Black's defense, though, really took him out of the game. And I think while he is a guard, he's six foot seven, I think that's what intrigues me so much about him. No, he's not a great shooter, but he's athletic and he defends his butt off, Fachi, and we need good defensive players. So that was one guy that really stood out to me. And I will say this, you know, as an Indiana Hoosier fan, I was more invested in those two games. I was a little bit disappointed with Jalen Huchapino. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, you know, I was very high on him especially after that game that he had against Purdue where he put 35 points up on the board, taking down the number one seed on the road. Like, that to me screams special. 
I tweeted this out. I'm sure you saw a lot of people responded to it. I'm not trying to be some false hope kind of guy. Maybe he'll come back for another year. I just personally think what we saw after that Purdue game was very inconsistent play from Jalen Huchifino. I thought that he might turn it on in the tournament, given the bigger spotlight. He's been very poised. He just did not seem like himself. I did not like a shot selection. I think him playing a little bit, you know, the inside out game doesn't get him going the way he wants to go all the time. So while I'm not being critical, I think he's still probably a top 20 pick in this year's draft. We talked about it already before, but I really do believe that he could jump up into like the top eight at, at minimum. Oh, wow. Not for this draft, for next year. Okay. okay. If he comes, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. If he comes back, because what we saw from him was just an inexperienced freshman guard. And I think there's a lot of times where we see guys like that go into the the draft process a little bit too early and they don't get the full reps that they need from college. And I think another player that's very uh, close to home, Romeo Langford. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest acquisition in IU's history for like, you know, like everybody was freaking out about Archie Miller being able to recruit – Romeo Langford to IU, and then he had like a wrist injury, like that whole entire freshman season. Mm-hmm. If you watch the offense that IU ran, Archie pretty much had him standing in the corner all the time. He didn't do a whole lot. And then Brad Stevens, an, an Indiana guy, took him 14th overall in that year's draft. They ended up trading to San Antonio, and he's not even playing for Pop now, and San Antonio is a terrible team. So to me, it's like, okay, you could go into the NBA, get that guaranteed money, be set for life if you want to be like that. And I and I totally understand that side of things, Fachi. Not saying that you shouldn't take the guaranteed money, but what if Romeo Langford had maybe came back for a year or two and was able to play under like a Mike Woodson type of coach? Someone that completely, I think, helped transform Trace Jackson Davis from a guy that would have been late second round pick to now a first round pick because of the way he was able to mature his game, get it NBA ready. I just think that Romeo needed more structure in his college game. And I think Jalen Huchifino, while he's had a very awesome freshman season, he needs another year back at IU, in my personal opinion, before he's ready to be thrown to the wolves in the NBA. Now he could still, he could still figure it out. I think he's a smart enough player. I think he's much different player than Romeo, not the same player, but I'm just saying same type of situation where maybe an extra year of college could really help develop them. I completely agree. And the landscape has changed with NIL money. It's, Players are able to make, you know, some good money by staying in college where they don't have to take that leap in the draft unless you have a guarantee that you're going to be a lottery pick or in some Mm -hmm. instances maybe a a top 20 pick. And I don't think that Huchifino has that guarantee that he's a lottery pick. I think he's trying to break into that. So uh, that's definitely a good point. But for Romeo Langford, man, I remember that was someone that I was interested to being like, oh, I wonder if he'll slip to the Pacers or anything of that sort, and it's it just – I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, I At this point, I kind of see him at age 23, just 23, kind of bouncing around the league a bit because if you're not playing major minutes on San Antonio uh, in a tanking season, it's going to be a bit tough. So mm. that, that's a good point there. Now, for players that didn't impress, I looked at this as a big opportunity to watch Brandon Miller up close, and I was disappointed. I know Brandon Miller has had a really good year, but against 16 seed Texas A&M Corpus Christi, he went scoreless. I don't know when I've seen a, a top three projected pick go scoreless in the first round, let alone against a 16 seed. I understand he was the focal point of the defense, 
and Alabama won by 21 points. But it was a, it was a little surprising. Then the following game against Maryland, which is another game that I was watching, he goes 5 of 17 from the field. I know he finished at 19 points, 7 boards, another game that went by 20. So then I started looking back. I'm like, okay, well, what did he do in just before the conference championship? Against Texas A&M, uh, that was another game that he struggled. 6 of 20. Uh, he was Okay, so over his last three games, he's 10 of 42 and 6 of 23 from three. So yeah. in the in what you can make as a big argument as the three biggest games of the year. I know Brandon Miller is going to be just fine. He'll be a top three pick. But watching him up close and personal when you're really focused on it, I was definitely let down. I'll just remind you that he's a freshman. And I think that and I think that sometimes we have too high expectations for freshmen. Agreed. And not everybody is going to be Paulo Boncaro because what Paulo Boncaro did last year for Duke a as a freshman was a beast. Like you're seeing a lot of experienced teams have success in this tournament so far, Fox. So I think that the way Alabama's roster is so heavy, like it's so good, he doesn't have to be great every night where mm-hmm. some of these other freshmen really have to be. Like another freshman that I'm intrigued by is Julian Phillips with Tennessee. Well, he's coming off the bench, okay? And that's why Tennessee, even with the injuries, was able to pretty much handle Duke the entire game. They out physical him and all that kind of stuff. Like, I did not see Tennessee getting this far. I thought they would win one game and lose to Duke just because Duke has been playing so well. Tennessee had a guy go down. But Julian Phillips, he had 19 minutes off the bench, and he had, what, four points in that game against Duke? You know, it was the veterans that kind of led the way. And I think that sometimes when you look at games up close in college basketball, it's easy to put a microscope on them and, and, and pinpoint all their flaws. But I say this, give Brandon Miller this weekend, see how he responds to a poor play over the last weekend. Let's see if he can kind of shake the nerves. He's got it. I think San Diego State is going to give them a tough matchup. I think they're a very so physical too. team. The way they took care of business in, in their two games. I was a little bit nervous when they played um, uh, Charleston in their first game. You know, it was close back and forth. They were able to pull that mm-hmm. one out. Then they ended up destroying Furman. So, you know, they played a 12 and a 13 seed. Now they got a chance to go up and knock a number one seed off. And I think that they looked pretty impressive defensively and physical and, and physically. So I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch as well. But I, I'm telling you what, I just, I keep thinking about uh, Tennessee because Rick Barnes was the head coach of Texas when Miles Turner yep. was drafted and he came off the bench. He wasn't even a starter when he got drafted 11th overall by the Pacers. So to me, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Julian Phillips is a guy that I think makes a lot of sense for the Pacers, probably more in like the 23 to 27 range, Fosh. That's where I think a lot of people will probably have him going. But I could see the Pacers being intrigued by his defensive upside, the nasty dunk that he had in that game too. You, there's just flashes there. And, you know, um, I think Coach Barnes is a really good coach. And the way, way we've seen Miles kind of adapt to everything, from the NBA, from college to the NBA, I think that maybe they have some trust and in, in the way that Barnes coaches his players, and maybe they could be intrigued by that. Very well, could um, one player that coming off came off the bench and went second overall, and this is you know eternity ago, but Marvin Williams was a second overall pick in 2005 off the bench. I get it; they were a championship team, so yeah, there's there's good freshmen that will come off the bench that yeah. show it enough that they translate well to the NBA. One thing I gotta say. I let you talk me out of Tennessee over Duke, which I initially had in my bracket. And the second Tennessee won, I went, I can't believe he talked me out of it. I changed him in all three of my brackets. So thank you for that. Hey, I think the narrative picking him to win it all probably had a little bit to do with that. 
Yeah, I guess. You should have listened bit. to me on Purdue, though. I mean, come on now. Yeah, yeah. I know you should. You took your shot on Twitter, but you know, I figured, <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll let you have that. But when the opportunity came up, I was gonna bring up that Tennessee pick. I, you know what? I had a bunch of misses. I mean, I thought Utah State was gonna do good. I thought Texas A&M. I thought Iowa State was gonna be decent. You talked me yep. into that one. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I honestly, when I first did my bracket. It would have looked a lot better if I would have just kept it than listening to a bunch of people yep. and getting and convincing myself, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to change it. I will say this for anybody picking a bracket next year, pick one where you just pick off of gut feeling and not off of what other people are saying. Because most of the time, while they make a lot of sense with what they're picking, it's too logical to actually happen for the tournament. So I, I completely agree. You just got to pick irrationally. Uh, you know, I was laughing because I was talking to somebody the other day and they said they picked their bracket based on location of where their team was located and, and how they like that state or that city and oh, if they like the color of their jersey. I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what else you could say to that, but I mean, by the numbers, Fairleigh Dickinson was, was one of the worst teams this year. They weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. They were an extremely small team and then they they go up again and they not only just they handled Purdue. So that was it was one where I just don't know how anyone could have picked that. But that's that's the the magic of March Madness is that anything can happen and underdogs are running wild. I mean Princeton and and, and Fairleigh Dickinson and, and Furman, all the other ones that, that you mentioned and maybe some that you didn't, this this tournament has been so unpredictable and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I'm going to do for fun, Fachi, is we got 16 teams left, okay? All right. Uh, what I think would be really cool is to have all of our listeners get involved with this. So if you want to get involved, hit me up, give me a number, and I will assign a team to you left for the tournament. So Fachi, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you pick who you want in this uh, in this tournament for your number. Uh, you can tell me whatever pl- whatever team you want to win the whole thing, and I'll put you down for that. I'm going to do a random one for me, but I'll let you pick. So I'm just picking a number or a team? You're picking a team. Unless you want me to just randomly put down all the teams in here real quick, and then you just uh, give me a number. Yeah, yeah, that'd be easier. That'd be easier? Okay. Well, so- less biased. You know, it's just like, a, hey, let's, <laughs> let's see what we got. Okay. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying to make sure I, I type this in all correctly, because there's a lot of teams out there that I'm kind of forgetting who's all in it. Um, I got it right in front of me if you need it. I don't want to do it in order so people don't know who, uh, you know, think we're we're cheating on this, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make the teams random. So uh, I'm pretty close to being done. I'm, I'm This is terrible for the uh, the podcast, but here we are. Um, I've, I've got 11 teams written down, Fachi. I'm almost there. Uh, some of them I'm just kind of like uh, forgetting who's all in it. But I think I remember most of them. Okay. Okay, read them off to me real quick because I'm forgetting a couple. All right. Houston, Miami, Xavier, Texas. Okay. Florida Atlantic University, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Michigan okay. State, Kansas State. Okay. Alabama, uh-huh. San Diego State, yeah. Creighton, Princeton, mm-hmm. Arkansas, Okay. UConn. Okay. Gonzaga, UCLA. Okay. 
All right, Fachi, I've got 16 numbers. What number do you want? I want number seven after Jermaine O'Neal. Number seven. You, my friend, are assigned to the Xavier team. Is it the Musketeers? Is that their mascot? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So, Fachi, you got the Xavier uh, Musketeers. Definitely don't feel great about it, but (laughs) uh, sure. And since I can't pick my own number, since I have all the teams written down in front of me, pick a number for me. Six. Okay, I got Gonzaga. All right. Okay, not that's bad. not bad. Yeah, I had them in my bad. final four. Okay. So, all right. If anybody listening to this is interested, message us on setting the pace on Twitter, on, on my personal page on Twitter, Fachi's page. Tell me you want a number, and we'll let you we'll let you be involved. And if the whoever has the winner, we'll do something special for you. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, you, you never know what that is, but hey, if Alex says it's something special, it very well could be something special. So ask for that number, but remember. There's limited spots. There's only going to be 14 spots available. Yep. So I would, uh, after right after listening to this, I'd say, hey, can I get a number? I want to get in this. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Fachi, we've talked quite a bit. Go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You could find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Subscribe to all of our, uh, subscribe to our channel and make sure you like all of our videos over there. If you didn't get a chance to see our conversation with Chris Denary, that is available on YouTube. And I thought that was a really fun one, Fachi. So make sure you all check that out. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our Substack setting the pace podcast.substack.com and just remember if you go there right now you'll see my latest nba big board now this is pre the ncaa tournament i will adjust it once the tournament is completely finished so that'll be cool there and we're going to have our mailbag podcast that we did in written form this week with fachi if you're excited to wake up and have a fresh bowl of fachios then hit me with those three words let's go pacers Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com